So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses that are joining with us. I'm excited and thankful that you're with us today. We believe that whether you are here where I'm at or wherever you are watching this, that the presence of God has already ministered to you and that now as we go into the Word of the Lord, that the Bible says the Word of God shall not return void. So I believe today that as I preach, you're going to receive what God has for your life. The book of Matthew, uh, the, the 16th chapter, verse 24 and 25, says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will what? Find it. Now, we, we begin talking in this whole process about what's next, about following Jesus fearlessly. When, when you read the New Testament, what you find is, is that you find people who were committed with everything within them. And so we begin the first week, we talked about uh, that the first part of this journey of what's next is salvation. How that you come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. How that the Word of God uh, gives us the direction there and how that we're to follow Him in committing our lives to Him, in baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that we walk with Him and continue with Him. And so uh, we, we kind of spent some time on that about salvation. Last week, I talked to you out of the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, about being uh, imitators. In other words, we talked about imitation last week. We talked about good imitation, not bad right? Uh, we talked about what it really meant to be an imitator of Jesus Christ, that you had to walk in love, you were, you were part of the light that God has left on this earth, and, and we brought all that together. Today, uh, each week, we've kind of given a, a one-word title, salvation, uh, and last week, imitation. This week, we're going to talk about consecration. Now, that word consecration is kind of an old term. It's, it, it's kind of one of those, you know, kind of old-school church terms. Um, and so, let me, let me kind of give you the definition of what consecration means. The consecration means to associate with the sacred. Uh, it also means an act by which a thing is separated from the common to a sacred use. The scripture tells us in the Old Testament that they built the tabernacle, and when they did, there were all kind of vessels and instruments that they were going to use in the tabernacle. And the Bible says that they took those and that they consecrated them to God for use in God's house. Here's what I believe. I believe that when we come into fellowship with Jesus Christ, that we are consecrated to Him to be of use in His house. Well, glory. 
See, it's, it's interesting to me when I, when I notice some things. I, when, when I look at it, it's interesting how many people want the Lord of the house to bless them when they've never, ever served in the house of the Lord. Isn't it interesting? We want God to give us good things and bless us, but we don't want to serve in the house of the Lord. And yet Scripture says that when we are consecrated to God Himself, that in that process that we are set apart in God's house. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The book of Matthew, the 16th chapter and the 18th verse. Most of you who have been to church very much at all know this. And, and it's, it's Jesus talking to the Apostle Peter uh, about this great revelation of who Jesus was. And he says to Peter, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell itself, will not overcome it. And then the book of Hebrews uh, talks to us in the 10th chapter and the 25th verse, and, and this is uh, a, a word we all need today. It says, let us not give up meeting together. Now, it's talking about going into the corporate worship time together. Let us not giving, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You really don't want me to go there, do you? I mean, I can tell by the body language that there's a lot of crossed arms right now and that look of intense, uh, where's he going? Well, the Word of God says don't give up going to church just because there's not a perfect church to go to. Amen. And as I often say, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go because you'll mess it up. <laughs> right? Come on, I know I sure would. Uh, and, and so there's, there's this whole understanding that, that the book of Hebrews tells us uh, that we are, we are to go to church. We're to gather together. Uh, he says, and he said, goes on to say, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day. He's talking about the end of time. As you see the Lord's approaching, uh, coming, he said, you ought to be in church. You ought to be together with the body of Christ. And, and so as we talk about this today, we're talking about being consecrated to God to do something we've been set apart within God's house and within God's economy. When you study the scripture, there are different people who stand out uh, that are, are really used mightily. I mean, there, there are a lot of people in scripture, but then there are some that just kind of grab your attention. One of those uh, is a man named Samuel. If you have read the scripture, especially the Old Testament, you have encountered Samuel at some point. Samuel is, is the, the child that is born out of a mother's desperation for a baby. And, and, and she says, God, if you'll give me a child, I will give him back to you. Samuel comes into this earth. Uh, he lives with his mom for a few years. And then his mom takes him to the house of God. And she gives him into the service of the house of God. And, and what is interesting about Samuel is that you read Samuel's life and you find the great things that he did. I mean, Samuel is probably the greatest ruler, the greatest judge that Israel had in its entirety of its history. Uh, he is the one who anointed the first king of Israel. He anointed King Saul. He also anointed King David. Uh, and yet, when you find the, the story of Samuel, you find his first encounter with God was he's, he's a young boy. He's laying asleep and God shows up and starts speaking to him. And he goes through this whole dialogue with God. But what you find about Samuel, the scripture says this about Samuel. It said, and God did not let any of Samuel's words fall to the ground. In other words, if Samuel spoke it, it came to pass. Now here's what's interesting about Samuel. From the time of a small boy until the time of his death, Samuel sets himself aside to serve in the house of God. 
His whole life is about serving in the house of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a person who God can say, you know what, I can trust them with my kingdom. I can trust them that even whatever they speak, I'm going to help that to come to pass in their life. Amen? Now, go to the book of Psalms. Take your Bible, take your, you know, your iPhone or whatever it is you've got the Bible downloaded on, and go to the book of Psalms, the 92nd chapter, And I want to read to you uh, some verses of Scripture. This is where we're going to spend uh, the next several minutes today as we talk about this whole aspect of being planted, of being consecrated uh, in the house of God. The the book of of Psalms talks in in chapter 92, uh, beginning in verse number 12. It says, the righteous. Now, how many of you are righteous? Wow, a lot of you are nervous. Let me help you. (laughs) Let me do a little teaching here. The Word of God says that if you are a believer, that you are the righteousness of God. So let's ask this question again. How many of you are righteous? A lot better that time, wasn't it? Man, some of y'all are just freaked out. I'm going to have to talk to the people in the campuses, all right? The righteous, that's us, that's believers, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Now watch this. The righteous, that's us, if we're planted in the house of the Lord, we're going to flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Now, when we read that scripture, the Word of God there talks about a couple of different kinds of trees. It talks about a palm tree, and it talks about a cedar tree. And so today, I want to show you from these analogies in scripture how that, if you're planted in the house of God, how that God can use you and what can happen in your life from this thing called consecration as we're following fearlessly out after Jesus. Now, the palm tree, when you begin to understand the palm tree, most of you know uh, that I was born in Africa, uh, and I lived there uh, until I was seven years of age and went back when I was 13. And one thing that I know about palm trees is that, that palm trees are, are an unbelievable tree. It's interesting, when we, when we lived in Africa, uh, the, the fruit of the palm tree, the, the palm nut, was used to eat. It was used, they, they would take it and make oil out of it. Uh, I shouldn't tell this, they would make wine out of it. And they, they would literally ferment it up in the tree, and sometimes they'd get drunk in the tree and fall out and break something. <laughs> all right. I, I mean, it, it was used for all kinds of things food-wise. And, and then what, what you find secondly about the palm tree is that the, they would take the leaves off of the palm tree itself, and they would make baskets out of the, out of the palm leaves themselves. And then they would take the entire bough uh, that would have the leaves on it, and they would thatch the roofs with it. And then if that wasn't enough, they literally would cut the tree down at times and they would use the the trunk of it to build things. So here's the deal, is that the, the palm tree is very, very useful. You and I, if we're planted in the house of God, are useful to God in many dimensions if we can understand that. See, the interesting thing about the palm tree is that it's watered deep at its roots. And the Word of God lets us know that as we get planted in God's house, that God begins to water us. He begins to bring good things into our life, and we begin to prosper. We begin to grow. We begin to be of benefit, not just to ourselves, but to those who are around us. But it doesn't only talk about the palm tree. 
It talks about the cedar tree. And so as I was reading this and preparing for this series of sermons, I began to do some research about cedar trees, especially the cedars of Lebanon. And, and what you find is, is that cedar trees were planted, but they, as they grew, that cedar trees are evergreens. Now, we all know that. We have cedar trees and all kind of evergreens around here, and, and we understand that they're evergreens. In other words, they always look good. Glory. I don't know about you, but I always want to look good, right? I mean, naturally, but spiritually especially, all right? Uh, you, you, you've got to have that aspect of, of living there. And so I want to take the cedar tree. Now, I want to show you some things out of the Word of God today of, of how that cedar tree grows and what happens in it. So I'm going to give you four dimensions of growth as a believer. I hope you're taking notes because I want you to write this down because it's very vital that if we're planted in the house of God that we understand the process of growing in God. The, the first dimension of growth is downward. We all understand that the roots have to go down if the tree is going to go up, right? I mean, we know that if the, if the roots don't grow down deep, that when the first wind comes by or whatever, that the tree's in trouble. Now, now watch this. The Word of God tells us that as Christians, that we are to let our roots go down and that we are to be rooted and grounded in love. You know what? That means you're to love people. That means you're to love people that aren't real nice. I mean, if you only love people that love you back, the Bible says even the heathens do that. What, what we as Christians have, have got to allow us, as we talked about it last week out of Ephesians 5, we've got to allow the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart, we, we've got to get that out and touch people's lives with it. And so the first aspect there is that we are rooted in love, that, that the, the root of our life goes down and it's in love. And here's the deal about roots. Roots bring life to the tree. The life doesn't come from the branch. The life comes from the root. The, the Word of God tells us that if we're grafted into Jesus Christ, that, that we are the vine, but He, I mean, He is the vine, but we are the branches. We're, we're that part that's out there. He goes down deep. But in our lives, we need to be planted in the house of God. If I want to be nourished, now, are you ready? Come on, reach down and grab the seatbelt on either side of your chair and click it because we're going somewhere. It's interesting to me how many people claim i love jesus i'm a christian i know jesus he's my lord and savior but who have never gotten established and rooted in the house of god see i knew it was going to be fun there needs to come an understanding to us today that if I really am a believer, I remember years ago, Dwight L. Moody, who's one of my heroes that I've studied a lot about, uh, he pastored in Chicago, Illinois. And, and one day a woman came up to him and said, Mr. Moody, said, I want to sing in your choir. And he said, well, where do you go to church at? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm part of the celestial body of Christ. He said, well, then why don't you sing in the celestial choir? See, I believe with all my heart that there needs to be an understanding from anyone who is a believer that we are to, Scripture says, that we are to be rooted in a local house. That it is through the local house that you get nourishment. Here's, here's what I will challenge you with. I've threatened to do this. Uh, I've been pastoring for a long time, and I've threatened to do this. I ought to make it an, uh, quit threatening and go ahead and do it. 
I have threatened to tell people, if you come to us for counseling, but you haven't been faithful to church in the past six months, we're not counseling you. Wow, let's shout about that a while. <laughs> Why? Because, watch this, because if you will come to the house of God, we're going to give you something, whether it's me preaching or one of the staffs that's preaching, we are going to give you something that is going to be beneficial to your life that will nourish you and help you to become everything God wants you to be. So it's needful for us to find a place of permanence. That, that we say, you know what, this is where I'm at. People say, well, pastor, you know, I went to that church, and, and I tried that church, and I got hurt. Everybody look up here. Join the crowd. If you've gone to church more than three weeks, somebody got your parking place, somebody sat in your seat, somebody didn't speak to you, so, I mean, something happened that just messed your world up. And, it, and it's interesting how many people say, well, preacher, I'd come to that, and that, that, first, that right there just ticks me off. Because I don't like to be called preacher. Well, preacher, I, I, you say you are. No, I'm a pastor, all right? So let me help you. I'll just throw that in for free, all right? Uh, well, preacher, I'd come to that church down there uh, if it wasn't for all the hypocrites. Really? Number one, I don't believe you. Number two, let me help you. Wherever you go to church at, there's going to be hypocrites. My deal has always been, I've wanted to say to them, uh, you know what, it's interesting that you will allow a hypocrite to get closer to God than you are. I've also always wanted to say to them, come on down, one more hypocrite won't hurt us. And I'll just help everybody. I'll put everybody at ease right now. It doesn't matter who you are, what your position is. At times, as a believer, you are hypocritical. I've been hypocritical. You've been hypocritical. Get over it. Right? I mean, we know how to make a T-shirt. All right? I've been a hypocrite. On the back, get over it. I, th I, think, we, I think we can market that. I I like it, all right? Love and Truth Church, come join us, all right? <laughs> I got to move, so we got to go downward. The second, the second, my brain goes places. Some of you wonder about what I do say. You ought to see what I don't say. The second aspect of growth is upward, all right? We, we've got this aspect of growing upward. When you study about Lebanon and the cedar trees there, they grow to be over 100 feet tall. Now, that's, that's upward. The, the Bible says this about us, that you and I, upward, now remember we did the downward, now we're upward, that we are to have our mind fixed on things above, that we are to be concentrating on the heavenly. Somebody said, well, they're so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. Really? I have yet to meet that person. Now, I've met some, some people that are just weird, and they claim it's being heavenly-minded. I'm not talking about people who kind of float in with that plastic, you know, grin and praise the Lord. I'm not talking about that, all right? I, I'm, I'm talking about really fixing our mind, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to fix my mind on you. But what that means is, now watch this, if it's 100 feet tall, that means you can see it from a long way off. In other words, it stands tall. 
You, you and I need to stand tall about what we believe. We need to be clear as Christians, this is what the Word of God says. Not in arrogance, not in haughtiness, but saying this is what God's Word says and we're going to stand here and we are going to stand for righteousness, we're going to stand for holiness, we're going to stand for sanctification, and we are going to stand for the things that God's Word tells us to stand for. And the Apostle Peter, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul said, and when you've done all to stand, just stand. Sometimes you just got to stand, all right? So that's the aspect. So our true colors are easy to see. They, they can see us. They know what we are. They know what we believe if we're planted in the house of God. The third aspect is outward growth. Uh, they tell us that these cedars of Lebanon grow up to be 40 feet in circumference. Now think about that. They're over 100 feet tall and 40 feet in circumference. You say, why is that important? Well, watch this. They provide shade and shelter. Now, I want to tell you, have you ever been in one of those points of your life that you were going through something? I mean, you, you'd had a rough week. Uh, you know, your marriage was in a mess. Your kids weren't doing right. Whatever it was, you'd lost your job. And you got around somebody who was a believer who, who gave you some shelter and some shade. They, they just loved on you. They, they gave you what you needed in that moment to continue to go forward. That's what the Word of God's talking about, that, this, that if we are planted in the house of God, that there's going to be this outward growth that takes place in our life that we are going to be able to give shade and shelter to people who come into contact with us. Now, here's what's interesting about that. All of us want to find people like that when we're going through tough times. I challenge you not to just find people like that, but to become a person that's like that so that people can come to you when you're going through that. This cedar tree is majestic. When, when you understand the cedar tree, when the wind is blowing just right, even before you get there, you can smell it. There's a fragrance about it. And as I began to look at that, I thought, you know what? When you study Scripture, what you find out is that the Word of God says that prayer is a sweet-smelling savor before the Lord. In other words, that as a Christian who is planted in the house of God, we've grown up and now we're growing out, that our prayer literally gives off a sweet scent wherever we go. Well, hallelujah. I love Christians that smell good. I mean, I, I love that in the natural for sure. You know, I've been in some countries where they didn't have quite what we have, and it, you, you can tell. But I'm talking about spiritually, that you and I are called to give off a sweet smell. And the way that we do that is that we do that through prayer. Now, here's what's interesting about the cedar tree. The, the smell of the cedar tree re repels insects. In fact, some of you probably have uh, closets or, sh or shelves or maybe even drawers uh, at your home and something uh, that, that are, are cedar-lined. And what it does is it keeps the moths away, it keeps the, the insects away, and doesn't bother your stuff. Now, watch this. When you and I are downward, upward, and outward in the house of God, our prayer becomes a fragrance that literally repels the enemy. That which would come in to kill, 
destroy and steal from you all of a sudden because of the fragrance of you that has been planted in the house of God the enemy the Bible says that there's no weapon that's formed against you that is going to prosper that whatever you face that because of the fragrance of your prayer it's pushed away and you're able to walk you're able to to push back the forces of darkness that would do their dead level best to destroy you the other aspect is this there's oil in this tree this tree produces oil and this oil repels fungus and molds the cedar tree does not get fungus and it doesn't get mold on it because of the oil that's in it now some of you are ahead of me hang on the, the Word of God lets us know that God gives us anointing oil that there is oil for anointing and the anointing destroys the oak now don't miss this. If I'm planted in the house of God, there's the anointing in my life that destroys the yoke that I would come up against, the habits, the lifestyle, the problem. The more I get rooted and grounded in God's house, the more I have the oil of anointing that flows out of my life to break through and to bring liberty in every aspect of my life. Now, if that doesn't make you want to get planted in the house of God, I can't give you anything that will, but I will. Let me give you the fourth one, all right? We, we've, we've talked about downward, upward, outward. Now we're going to talk about, let me give you one more, onward. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, they tell us that the cedars of Lebanon, that there are some of them that have lived to be over 900 years old, that, that it, they just continue onward from one generation to the next to the next. That's what God's called us to be. I believe with all of my heart that God has called us to be people who don't just bless one generation, but literally we go from generation to generation to generation. It continues to move onward. That the blessing flows onward. The book of Malachi, the third chapter, says this about tithers it says that God's going to open you a window of heaven and he's going to pour you out blessings that you are not able to contain now I read that scripture for years and I kept saying I don't believe that scripture now here was why I didn't believe the scripture whatever God sent me I was able to contain it what's wrong with y'all I mean if he blessed me with a hundred dollars I could contain it he blessed me with a thousand I can contain it he blessed me with 10,000. I can contain it. But I got to studying that one day, and here's what that means. That means literally that if I understand what God's economy is about and I move in a covenant relationship with Him, that I can begin to see not just one generation being blessed, but genuinely moving from generation to generation to generation. Listen, don't just live for yourself and for your generation. Know that if you're planted in the house of God, that literally generations that are yet even unborn, if God tarries, are going to be blessed because you have decided to be a person who is planted in the house of God. I mean, I believe it. Now, let me close with this. The scripture there says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the courts of our God. Now, when we read that, we just we interchange Lord and God because it, you know, we, we make those the same thing. But when I begin to study Scripture, and, and I went back and got uh, some help, I love Google. I don't love it as much as Jesus, but I love it. 
Because, I mean, I've, if you go to my office, I got books everywhere, and I used to have to dig and, you know, okay, what does you know, this mean? What does that mean? And, and now I can just Google. I can just, am I the only one? I mean, I got lazy. I just, okay, what does this mean? And, and what I found is, is that when you, when you read the scripture there where it says that we will be planted in the house of the Lord, the word Lord there means Yahweh. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, he, here's what it is. When, when you read the Genesis account of creation, when God came down and breathed life into Adam, it, it says that, that Yahweh came down. In other words, the, the God who comes close is what it's talking about. And so the scripture there says that if we're planted in the house of the God who comes close, we will flourish in the courts of God. Now, again, we, we look at that, and, and the word God there is not just God, it's Elohim. Now, again, Google's wonderful. What is Elohim? When you understand, Elohim is found there in the beginning. In the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. So here's what the scripture is saying. It says that if you and I, the righteous, that if we will get planted in the house of Yahweh, we will flourish in the courts of Elohim. Now here's what it's talking about. The house is here. God comes close. We show up. The Bible says we're two or three gathered together in his name. What? There he is in our midst. So when we do this, he's here. But then, when it talks about creation, what it's talking about, if I'm planted in the house of God, I will flourish in the courts or in the creation of God. That ought to set you free. If you want to be blessed in your business, if you want to be blessed in your family, if you want to be blessed in your health, if you want to be blessed in every aspect of your life, the Scripture says get planted in the house of Yahweh and you will flourish in the courts of Elohim. That if I am willing to say, God, I am going to sell out to a local house. I'm going to plant myself. And God today... As I plant myself in your house, I believe that I'm going to flourish in your creation, in your courts. And you know what? It gives us some good stuff. Look at this. I'll do it quick. It says they'll still bear fruit in old age. I, I want to be fruitful all of my life. However long I live, I still hope I've got something fruitful to say. That, that I'm still, you know, if you've got to wheel me up here, what have you got to do? I, I all right, I, I still want to be fruitful, and that's, and that's what the Word of God says. And then it says, they will stay fresh. I want to be fresh. You ever been around stale Christians? Right? I was with Pastor Hardwick this past week, who's been my mentor. He's, he just turned 80 this year, and, uh, and I spent a couple of days with him, and he was telling me, now, have you read this book, Eddie, and have you read this? And, have, and, and I'm going, yes, Brother Hardwick, I'll get it. I will read it. So this is on tape, so now I have to. But... but you know, and he's, he just stays fresh. He, that's how I want to be. I want to be a believer that no matter what my chronological age is, I'm still fresh. And then it ends saying this. It says they're going to be proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Here's the last part, and we're done. They're going to live a life of praise. If I am planted in the house of God, I'm going to flourish in the courts of the Lord. 
I've got to come there. I've got to get there. Here's my challenge to you today. What about serving in the house of the Lord so that the Lord of the house can bless you? He wants to. He's told us how he wants to do it. But we've got to be willing to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm the person. I'll step up and I'll do what you've called me to do.